Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Sorry to do that to you so early. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. But, you know, have you ever thought that maybe God could speak to you through an animated movie uh, that, that uh, you know, everything, there's a message, there's something that, that maybe God wants to say to us. And I was thinking about this um, this week. And, and you know, this um, movie reminded me a couple of things. One is just uh, that we uh, make promises uh, to each other that, that are life, lifelong promises. And uh, when we have the great privilege of keeping that promise over, you know, a long period of time, say 43 years uh, in our case, that how much sweeter that gets as life goes on and, uh, and, and what a privilege it is. And then I pause and think about, you know, what, what the Lord has taught us and what the Lord says to us. And, and there are two things that we wanna talk about this morning. And, and one is that Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end. That he made that promise. And really there are two promises there. Uh, one is simply that Jesus promised us to always be with us. That I am on this journey with you. Remember he didn't say, that there won't be storms. He didn't say there won't be trials. He didn't say there won't be hardships in your life, but he said, I will always be with you. And, and the other thing that comes out to me as I, as I watch something like this and as I think about it is that, is that Jesus always, also said that I always keep my promises. I am promising you this and I will always keep my promises. And we have those two things that we can stand on. We have those two things that we can trust in. And so our life isn't bound by circumstances. It's not bound by the events, but our life is built on what Christ has promised us and, and how he stays faithful to those promises in our lives. And, and so we're exploring the life of Jesus and good news for everyone, this study in the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to look at that from a, from a different context this morning. We're going to go to chapter 5 in Mark. And there are the story of two people. It's kind of one long passage, but there are two stories in it. And I, I want you to pay attention to how God walks with us, how Jesus walked with people uh, how he had the ability in the middle of everything, the chaos, the, uh, the crowdedness, everything that to, to be in the moment with people, and, and then how he, had, was fa- uh, how he walked with people faithfully, and then how he always keeps his promises. There's another uh, Hebrews uh, 13. Uh, is, there's a quote from Jesus that says, I'll never leave you or forsake you another promise that he gives us that we're gonna build on this morning. So Mark chapter five, uh, beginning in verse 21, it says this, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. And then uh, came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, uh, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well. And it says, and he went with them, and, and, with him and, and, 
chapter in verse 24. So here's the picture that we have. Jesus comes and there's a great crowd following him. Remember we talked a couple weeks ago what, what it means to be a disciple. It means to get as close to Jesus as you possibly can so that at any moment you can reach out and touch him so that you don't miss anything that he says, that you're part of whatever it is that he's doing. And so you've got the disciples and then you've got this great crowd and they're all, all wanting to be as close to him as they can. They want to hear what he has to say. They don't want to miss anything that he does because he has been doing miracles. He has been healing people, touching people, talking with people, and they're all around and they're crowding and they're squeezing in on him. And in the middle of this crowd, all of a sudden it's like the Red Sea parting and this man named Jairus. And isn't it interesting that if you read the Gospels, it's stunning how few times a name is mentioned. And, and, but here we have Jairus is named, and there are a couple of reasons that I want you to think about this morning. One is that he was so prominent, he was so important, that when the, the disciples, when those who were eyewitnesses saw him come through and how the crowd parted for him and how everything stopped for this famous, prominent you know, leader in the community, he was the leader of the synagogue. He wasn't just somebody that showed up, but he was the guy in charge. He was respected, he was honored, all of those things. And and so the disciples are so impressed by this, and, and Peter is the primary uh, person who's giving Mark this information. Peter's so impressed by who this man is that we, we learn his name. And rarely in the Gospels, when Jesus does a miracle, do you get a name, but it tells you two things. One is how prominent, how important Jairus was, and two, that there was an eyewitness there who knew his name. And this eyewitness would know that later on, years down the road, as people read uh, this story or people heard uh, it talked about, they would recognize that name because he was such a prominent person. It gave credibility to the, to the story. And so here we have Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He comes to Jesus. And here's what's remarkable. It, it must have just caught everybody's breath because he didn't just come to Jesus. He didn't send a servant to Jesus but he came and he got on his hands and knees and he bowed before Jesus and he said, my daughter's dying. Will you please come and touch her? Would you please come and heal her? Here's the most famous guy in the region, the most prominent person in the region. And, but you know what? There's a point where you're not the leader of the synagogue anymore. There's a point where you're just a dad and when he came to Jesus, he fell on his face before Jesus and begged him to do something for him. Do something that, that money couldn't buy. Do something that no doctor could solve for him. But he was losing his little girl and his heart was broken and he came in that brokenness and he threw himself at the feet of Jesus and can you help me? And it says Jesus went with him. And so we have this incredible scene where now Jairus is leading this whole parade back toward his house because Jesus is going with him. And the crowd is anxious to see what's gonna happen. This is amazing because even Jairus even Jairus comes and falls in front of this man. And the disciples had to be ecstatic, right? This was the coolest thing that's happened yet. Because if Jesus heals Jairus' daughter, they're, they're set. 
the word is going to go out. Look what happened. Look, what, look who he is. And so they're so excited as they're walking along. And they're walking a little bit taller and a little bit more proud because they're his disciples. They're his inner circle. They're the 12. And they're part of all of this. They're part of the leadership team, right? And as they walk along with this crowd, they couldn't be more excited, more proud, maybe just a little bit arrogant, maybe a little bit caught up in the moment. And here they go toward Jairus' house. But this is Jesus. This isn't us. Jesus isn't caught up in the moment. He created everything. He's the Lord of the heavens and the earth. He's the one who made us. He's the one who knows us. He's not surprised by the circumstances. He's not overwhelmed by the moment. And here's what happens. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians. No offense, doctors, but they couldn't help her. And had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And she had heard reports about Jesus and and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I even touch his garments, I will be made well. Now, isn't it interesting that we don't get her, her name? that that wasn't important to this story, that, that Peter and the other disciples probably never ever found out her name. She wasn't a significant person to them, but she was really significant to Jesus. And those of us who aren't famous, and those of us who aren't prominent, aren't you glad, aren't you grateful that you're significant to Jesus? That you matter to him that your life matters, that who you are matters, that your health, your, your eternity, your salvation matters to Jesus. And so this woman comes up. We don't get her name. She sneaks in behind. Now, I don't know if, given her circumstances, how easy it is to sneak uh, because she had this disease. She'd been hemorrhaging. She'd had been bleeding for 12 years. She'd spent all of her money uh, on doctors, but no one knew what to do. No one had a cure for her. And, and so what we understand from the story is that one, she's anonymous. Two, she is poor now. She's helpless. She, she's used all of her resources to try to get better, and, and nothing's worked. So now she's out of money. Nobody knows her. And in the, in the first century, if you had a sickness like this, remember we talked about leprosy. It was very similar. If you had a sickness like this, then people were pretty superstitious and you were considered unclean, so you weren't allowed to go in the synagogue. So in one part of the story, we have the leader of the synagogue. On the other part of the story, we have a woman who's not allowed in the synagogue because she's considered unclean because, uh, th- because of this disease. And then typically, people would ask themselves the question, what did she do to deserve this sickness? She must have done something horrible. She must have done something grievous because there always has to be a a reason for this. There always has to be something that precipitates this. And so what is it that she did? What sin caused this? And so you're a social outcast when you have this kind of disease. She's out of friends. She's out of family. Uh, She's not allowed to go into the synagogue. She's not allowed to worship with her community. She's totally out. And yet she has the courage to sneak into this crowd recognizing that anybody that touched her is going to be considered unclean. Anybody that comes in contact with her, so I don't know if she's trying to wiggle through the crowd without touching anybody so that they won't feel like they're, that she's unclean, but she does, she does touch Jesus. She thinks if I can just touch the hem of his garment, 
I don't, I don't even deserve to stand in front of him. I don't have the credibility. I, I, you know, I, I don't have the importance to, to stop this whole thing and the crowd is moving toward Jairus' house. But if I can just get close enough to grab the back of his cloak, I think I can be healed. And that's what she does. She gets through the crowd and she touches Jesus. In verse 29, it says, and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Isn't that interesting? That when this woman touched him, it was her faith. She touched him in faith. She touched him in desperation. And somehow he felt that flow of faith. He felt that power go out of him. He knew something had happened and he turned around. And you could ask yourself the question, did he already know who she was? Probably. But he was giving her an opportunity. I think for a couple of reasons. One is, is that he was giving her an opportunity to be face-to-face with him because she mattered to him. And the second thing is that he was giving her an opportunity to, to, to speak, uh, to be known in that whole community so that nobody who was in that crowd that day could doubt that something had happened. Nobody in that crowd that day could, could, could consider her an outcast, uh, consider her out of everything, uh, not uh, able to go into the synagogue or any of those things because of what Jesus said and what Jesus did. So she touches Jesus, he turns around, he says, who touched me? Because he felt the power go out of him. And then in an interesting moment that we have, it says in verse 31, and his disciples said to him, the crowd is present around you and you said yet who touched me they're cynical they're a little bit sarcastic with Jesus are you kidding me Jesus we're on a mission we're going someplace and you want to stop and say who's who's touched me everybody's touching you there's a whole crowd of people around you you can't move without touching somebody why why would you even ask that question we've got stuff to do we've got places to be come on Jesus And so they ask him this question, they challenge him, they're a little bit sarcastic with him. And Jesus isn't embarrassed. He's not overwhelmed, like I said, in the moment. But he looks around. He looked around to see who had done it. Verse 33 says, But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him. The second time in this story, somebody's fallen down before him. But in her fear, in her trembling, in her knowledge that something has happened on the inside of her, she comes now and she falls in front of Jesus. (laughs) And she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. It was me, Jesus. I'm the one who snuck in. And if anybody who knew me saw me, they would have yelled. I I would have been in trouble. They would have pushed me out or they would have got, or all moved away from me. But I got through and I touched you and and something's happened on the inside and I don't know how to explain it. And I don't know exactly what's happened, but I know that I'm healed. I I know that I'm, I'm cured on the inside, that I'm different, that something has happened in my body and it is whole again. And it says she told Jesus the whole truth. There's another translation that I love that says, and she told Jesus her whole story. And I, I don't know how old she was. She'd been sick for 12 years, but I don't know how old she was, but people have been sick for a long time. Have you ever had conversations with people who have been sick for a long time? And, and, you know, and you get into that, and all of a sudden you're talking about lumbago, you know, and 
I don't even know what those are, but you know, you're going through all the body parts that hurt and all the things that are wrong and you get this long list of things and that's kind of how conversations go these days, right? Is it just this, all of the aches and pains and, and she tells Jesus her whole story and Jesus is standing there listening to this woman because she mattered to him. She was important to him. You see, it wasn't just the rich and famous. It wasn't just the, the, the important people, but it was everybody mattered to Jesus. And this woman in that moment was the most important person in the world to him, and he listened to her whole story. And that gives me such great hope. That gives me such great encouragement because Jesus listens to our story. He knows our story, and he values us. No one is left out of the story from Jesus. No one's too unimportant, no one's too sinful, no one's too far away, no one's too sick. He promised, I'm with you always, even to the end. So she tells him the whole story, and then listen to verse 34. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Daughter is the very first thing he said. Now, Again, we don't know much about her. We don't know, you know anything other than she was sick and spent all of her money. But Jesus, she was likely older than Jesus, right? Probably. And yet Jesus called her daughter. He gave her this little, this intimate title because Jesus was around since creation. Jesus has been around. He's eternal. And so all of us are sons and daughters to him. I sort of joke sometimes when I say, okay, everybody under 40, I get to call you a kid now, right? I, I get to call, you know, you're, you're a kid to me. You qualify. Well, for Jesus, he was eternal, the creator of the universe, and, and he called her daughter. He, he gave her a title that must have been overwhelming to the people in the crowd. It must have amazed him that he would use something that was so personal, so intimate. He said, daughter, go in peace, which that, in, that, in that day was the, that word shalom that he used, which means go in wholeness. Uh, not, not, not just go feeling good, not go feeling you know, tranquil, uh, not go feeling better, but I want you to go in wholeness. I, this is about your body, your soul, your mind. This is about all of you. I want you to understand that you've been healed. I want you to understand how much I love you. I want you to understand how valuable you are. I've stopped this whole crowd of people. I've stopped everything to listen to you. And now here's what I want you to know about yourself. You're my daughter and you can live in wholeness, physical, spiritual, social wholeness, now I want you to, to, get, to be healed and go. And everybody in that crowd that day, everybody that would have avoided her five minutes before, 10 minutes before, whatever it was, everybody in that crowd that would have considered her unclean, now nobody had an excuse that she was an intimate with Jesus, she was going in peace, uh, she was healed, she, they would have to accept her back into the community, they would have to accept her back in the synagogue, but Jesus did. He claimed her. Not only was she healed physically, but she was healed back into community because of who Jesus is, because of what he did. Here's, here's something important. Jesus didn't say, your touch has made you well. He said, your faith has made you well. Her faith in Jesus, not the fact that she touched his garment, that was a, that was a symbol of her faith. But your faith has healed you, it's faith in Jesus. 
It's faith in the one who walks with us in our lives. It's faith in the one who always keeps his promises. And she was a picture of that that day. And so here we have this incredible story. It's, it's kind of a miracle within a miracle, right? We start out with Jairus. Jesus heading to her house. We get this interruption, this holy interruption uh, with this woman, which is what happens to us so many times. See, we think that there's one mission. We think there's one thing that we need to do, one place that we need to go. And Jesus interrupts us all along the way. That, and he says, I have, I have more than you can imagine to do in your life. I have more than you can imagine that I want to accomplish through you. I've got miracles within miracles. I've got interruption in your life where you are going to see how much I love you. You're going to see how powerful I am. You're going to see that I am faithful in your life. And so this happens in the middle of Jairus' story. This woman is healed. (laughs) And uh, now they continue on to Jairus' house. The, The story keeps going. In verse 35, it says this, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some, uh, some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Jesus, the interruption cost you. You waited too long. You listened too long. You hesitated and the window closed. She's gone now. No, don't waste his time anymore. Your daughter's passed. It must have just been such a shock. It must have been so overwhelming to, to everybody. Why bother the teacher? Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, and this is a phrase that I want to imprint in your hearts and your minds today. Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. The, the cure for our fear is belief. Do I really believe who Jesus is? Do I really believe that he walks with me? Do I really believe that he keeps his promise? It's only in those moments of great fear that we really have to decide. It's only in those moments of, of difficulty, of tragedy even in our lives that, that we have to come to grips with what do I really believe? Do I really believe who Jesus is? Do I really believe what he said? Do I really believe that he keeps his promises? And that's the challenge that was before him. And Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. Trust me. You, you know, we talked about believing means turn toward. Uh, you know, repentance was, was turning away. Believing was turning toward. Jesus said, repent and believe. And that day, Jairus had to decide what he believed. Do we continue walking toward my house? Do we continue this journey? Because Jesus is walking with him. Jesus hasn't left him. Jesus doesn't turn around and say, sorry, too late. But he continues on this journey with Jairus. And Jesus says, do not fear, only believe. Verse 37 says, "And, and, and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, his three most intimate disciples. And they came to the ruler Uh, of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making such commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside, and he took the child's father and mother uh, and those who were with him, the three disciples, and he went in where the child was. And so we have this scene that Jesus gets to the house. Now, he's made this journey with Jairus. Uh, His daughter has passed away, and when they get to this house, uh, there's this chaos, uh, there's this noise uh, that's going on, and we have a little sample of it for you because it still happens today. 
uh, there's still such a thing in, in the world as professional mourners. Uh, that, that their job is to come and to cry, to mourn, uh, to wail, all of those things, so that uh, well, the, uh, the idea was that, uh, that then the family could mourn, uh, the family could cry and wail without uh, embarrassment. That, that, they, that there was so much crying and, and mourning and wailing around them that, that they were sort of free to cry and do their own thing because then nobody would really notice uh, because there was so much noise going around and it would save them from embarrassment. But here's what always happens, right? Here's what always happens, that it becomes a, uh, it becomes a thing for the, the wealthy and the famous, right? That the, the more wealth you had, the more prominent you were, uh, the, the more mourners that you could hire. And so the more people were there to mourn over your condition, over your loss. And so they say uh, that when people are in mourning, uh, that some even today in, in other countries and other parts of the world, that you can hear them for miles in, in sort of desolate de- desert areas, that they're screaming so loudly, uh, they're mourning so loudly that you can hear them all over. And so when Jesus gets to Jairus' house, this really prominent man, there was just this awful noise going on this mourning and wailing and screaming, and Jesus uh, comes to this scene. In fact, there's a, a hundred years after Christ, there's a quote from a rabbi that says, even the poorest man should hire at least two flutes and one mourner for a death in the family. That, 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 was, that became sort of a tradition, a, a criteria, uh, something that you had to do, so even the, even the poorest of the poor had to figure out some way to have mourners in their, in their home. Well, Jairus has a lot of mourners, a lot of commotion and weeping. And Jesus comes in in verse 39, he says, and he entered and he said to them, why are you making a commotion weeping? The child is not dead. And they laughed at him. We're, <laughs> this is what we do for a living, Jesus. We know dead people. We, we know what that looks like. We know what that feels like. We recognize them when we see them. You're crazy. You're delusional. And they laughed at Jesus. They had no idea who they were talking to. And then comes this great moment. I just, this is one of the parts I really wish I'd have been there, right? Because all Mark says is he put them all out. What what we don't know is how he did it, right? And we don't know what that looked like, but all of those people that were crowded, all those people that were weeping and wailing and screaming, Jesus kicked them all out and got him out of there and said, I don't want any of you. You're all excused. Go. Get out of here. Until it was just the mom and the dad, his three disciples, and Jesus. And then it says in verse 41, and taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi. And it's so interesting when this happens, that, 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 they put the Aramaic, which is the language that they spoke in that region, they actually put the Aramaic in there, uh, which means just simply little child arise. But if you, if you know Aramaic, if you know the language, you know that it, it, it's, it's deeper, it's bigger than just little child arise, that it's, it's, there's an intimacy to what Jesus is saying. You, you could translate it little lamb. Uh, think, of the, think of the word that you, you use for your babies. What did you call them? But in this moment of just 
infinite tenderness. And here, here's what I think. I think that it was so holy and so sweet and so loving that they didn't want to translate it because it just gets lost in the translation. How, how do you say this in, in English? How do you say this in, in Greek? How, how do you say this in, in a different language? We're just going to leave it in the Aramaic right there the way, it, the way Jesus said it. Talitha kumi. My little lamb, my little baby, my little child, arise. And, and he takes her hand and, and he lifts her up and she wakes up and comes back to life. She's healed. She's alive. A miracle has happened. Y you see, what they took as the end, well, Jesus said, no, that's never the end with me. I always keep my promises. I'm gonna finish what I started. I'm with you. And so he raises her up. And I love the last part. It says, immediately the little girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. They were stunned, staggered. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. I think there's a couple things. I think just being really practical, she's 12. Have you ever known a 12-year-old not hungry? All right, so we just start there. But the second thing is that ghosts don't eat. Apparitions don't eat. Illusions don't eat. Give her something to eat because she is alive. She who was once dead is now alive. She's back with us. So here's the question this morning. What do you believe? You see, we talk about the resurrection a lot. We talk about the fact that if Christ rose from the grave, then, then all of the rest of this must be true. And he made promises to us. And he said, I am with you. And I'll, be, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm on this journey. I am walking with you. And I always keep my promises. And I've said that I'm going to prepare a place. And I am going to prepare a place that where I am, you may be also. And he always keeps his promises. And that's the hope of our lives. That's the hope of our existence. And no matter what happens, no matter what the storms are, we know that Jesus is walking with us and we know that he always keeps his promises and that he is with us to the very end of the age. Jairus begs Jesus to help, uh, to help him, to help his little girl. And everyone's so impressed that they remember his name, but they don't remember the woman's name. But Jesus does. Jesus knows everybody's name. 2 Peter 3.8 says this, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. You see, we don't always get his timing. We don't always understand his timing. We think the interruptions are actually really interruptions. We think the interruptions are stoppage in what God's doing because we think we know what it is that God's supposed to be doing. But God says, for, for, for me, uh, a, a thousand years is like one day for him. He's eternal. He's on a timeline uh, that I don't understand, that I'll never understand, that it's his timing, not my timing. And when he gets to Jairus' house, he reaches out to the girl and he doesn't simply roll up his sleeves and say, abracadabra. 
He doesn't have any magic words. He doesn't do anything like that. He simply helps her up the way any dad would help up his little girl on any given day. He has the power to raise her up and he has the the love to do it gently. And why would you want to hurry somebody like this? Why would you want to hurry someone who loves you that much? Why would you want to hurry someone who is always with you and always keeps his promises? Uh, Pastor Tim Keller says this, do not confuse your agenda for him with your faith in him. Do not confuse your agenda for him with your faith in him. He's the Christ. Jesus always keeps his promises. He'll always have the final word, even when it takes longer than we expect or want. And that is what we believe, and that is how we live. And this is the truth that will cure our fears. That Jesus is faithful, that he walks with us. He always keeps his promises in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you for these examples of your love, of your faithfulness, of your power, Lord. And Lord, we know that you're at work even when we don't see it. Uh, we, we know that you're, you're at work even when we don't understand it. And Lord, but we believe you. We don't believe in just our circumstances, but we believe in your love and your faithfulness and your power. And so Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, strengthen our hearts this morning. Encourage us, take our fear, uh, and Lord, let, oh, let our belief overwhelm our fear. And we'll be careful to give you the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. Our uh, prayer partners will be in the corner today. If you'd like prayer this morning, I would encourage you to stop by and, and uh, let them pray with you and for you. It's a great privilege. Uh, and then a prayer table, as always, is open. And uh, you write your prayer requests down, uh, your praises, how God's answered prayer. And we love praying, uh, thanking the Lord with you and praying over those requests. So take advantage of those opportunities for prayer. Uh, and my, my prayer this morning is simply that we will consider uh, what, where our fears are, where, where are we struggling, and, and how our belief, how it challenges our belief, how God uses those things that happen in our lives as an opportunity for us to grow in our trust and, and in our belief in Him. So uh, pray and think about those things. I also have one last deal. As you walk out today, uh, I'd like you to encourage you to grab some cards. Uh, we have this Celebrate Easter with us has the dates on the back. Uh, it gives our address and a little map and, and how to get there. And it's a great opportunity, great uh, little card to give to people to invite them to hear about the good news of the resurrection of Jesus and life that we can have in him. So take, take advantage of that opportunity to bring some people uh, to hear about Jesus because we know from our experience that he never leaves us or forsakes us. 
we know that he always keeps his promises. Love you guys. Have a great day. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.